0: So, hi everyone, uh, welcome to Feminized, and this episode we are talking with Day founder um, Valentina Milanova, did I say your name right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, oh. amazing. So Day... The way that it's
1: pronounced,
0: sorry, the way oh. it's pronounced in Bulgarian is Milanova, but no one in the in the, like, English-speaking world ever pronounce it, pronounces it like oh. that, so I'm, I'm used to
1: it being Milanova.
0: Oh, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> um, so in case uh, you guys don't know, Day is a tampon brand and they do CBD infused tampons, which are meant to relieve uh, women's menstrual pain, which is amazing. You're taking care of your period and taking care of your pain like in one go. Um, and they're a very sustainable brand. And I just wanted to talk to you about how the idea for Day, how did that come about?
1: Yeah, I the idea for all of our products really stems from me having quite negative personal experiences with female health um, and the way the female healthcare is provided. Um, so when you know I was nine when I had my first period and I didn't really know what was happening to my body. I didn't know that I was having my first period, and um, after that I had quite negative experiences with menstruation, with ovarian cysts, with um, vaginal health screening. So I really wanted to do something that will be a comprehensive way for people to look after their health um, without it, you know, costing a fortune and and with a lot of respect for the way that the consumer prefers to obtain uh, female health.
0: Um, So that's really interesting because there's such a a gender gap in healthcare where, you know, a lot of women's pain is not Researched enough and there's not enough solutions. Um, so I think that's really interesting, but everything that comes with Medical stuff. I'm sure that you know, especially with CBD, which is still something that people are doing a lot of research into I'm sure that you were met with a lot of skepticism so how do you go about um, dealing that with dealing with that and kind of proving people right Uh, actually proving yourself right and proving your people wrong yeah
1: um yeah no i I think people um should be be very skeptical when it comes to any medical devices that they use and when it comes to any new products um so we we always embrace it when people ask questions and when when they are skeptical so um the way that we made sure that we can answer any question that people have about the product is by just conducting really extensive clinical validation. So we went through a number of different rounds in clinical, preclinical. Um, <clears throat> Um, and lab clinical validation to ensure that uh, the product is uh, safe, and to ensure that we know uh, about you know how it impacts fertility, how it impacts the vaginal microbiome, how it impacts uh, vaginal pH levels. So whenever you know one of our consumers has a question about uh, the way that uh, our products work, we can just point them to uh, our research, and we also make our research readily available on our website. So that's how you know we've been working to uh, handle. Uh, Um, some of the hesitations that people quite uh, naturally have about new new products.
0: Um, That's really interesting because I feel like a lot of times when it comes to, especially women's health products, there's not like this concern of actually being like, no, here's our research, we did things right, and you can read about it and feel comfortable that, you know, we did a a good product. Um, So I think that that's really cool. Um, But also, I think periods are still such, like, a taboo to talk about. Like, menstruation in general. people like I mean, my friends, when they go to the bathroom, still hide tampons up their sleeves so that no one, you know, knows that they're going to the bathroom. So how do you go about creating, like, marketing and, you know, having people invest in your product, given that it's such a taboo subject? How do you kind of break those barriers in?
1: Um, we, we start with a lot of empathy and, and we start with the basics. Um so whether you know I'm I'm showing a, a male investor a tampon for the first time in their life or we're, we're you know trying to uh, explain the condition of endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, we start with the basics. Um, we, we have one of our foundational principles is that you shouldn't need a medical degree to understand female health, and you shouldn't need a medical degree to understand your body. Um, so a lot of what we do is education-focused. Our first product, actually, uh, is our female health library, VITOS, uh, which uh, exists in... in, in uh, Um, largely thanks to our content editor, Liv, uh, Olivia Cassano, who has been doing an amazing job of um, just writing really digestible, easy-to-understand content on various female health um, topics. Um, And we we start with education, and and we continue with uh, providing access to great content on female health. We really believe this is the the really important step one.
0: Um, That's interesting that you you spoke about kind of um, the more... What I think is like the more editor- editorial side of your your, your brand. Um, how it, it important is it for you guys as a brand um, to kind of also dive into education? Because you guys could be just worried about, you know, selling your product. But some of the pieces that I've read that you guys have posted, especially this piece by Paul uh, Akpan who wrote about yeah. black British women and... They're you know, how horrible they've been treated by the healthcare system. Um, do you think that brands in general have a responsibility to educate the consumer more than just market to them?
1: Yeah, I think very much so, especially in the world that we live in right now, Uh, you should be providing utility and benefits to your consumer beyond the core products that you're offering. Um, And even today, you know, we we started with vitals because it took us a year to uh, build the product and and to, you know, have our production ready before we could actually sell anything to anyone. Um, And even though right now we have uh, various different products vitals our blog is still the front and center of the brand it's still the first thing that you see on the landing page Um, so we really believe that you know the best relationship with consumers is one that is built on trust and one that's built on education and one that's built on providing uh, value from from the get-go before you provide products
0: that's that's how I feel everyone should be doing it but you guys are doing a great job I read this interview um, that you you gave um, a few months ago about um, entrepreneurialism and entrepreneurship and how you kind of became an entrepreneur because you believed that you like whenever you saw something you just thought, "Ooh, I could make that better," <laughs> um, which I think yeah, is amazing. are me. Yeah. Um, so, do you think that that's um, kind of a key quality that you need to have uh, to be an entrepreneur, to be able to look at things and see how you could make those things better?
1: Um, Yeah, I think that's, you know, partially with me um, growing up in a post-socialist, you know, Eastern European reality. um, I always had to build things for myself whenever I wanted something. I couldn't just, you know, go and for said I I wasn't born in a very wealthy family but also the availability of products in Bulgaria when I was growing up is vastly different from the availability of products which I then saw uh, you know as I started living in the UK so I I, I had this builder mentality really in my DNA since I um, since I since I was born
0: oh that's that's amazing Um, yeah was it um, was it easier to kind of get some get a product a project like this off the ground in a place like the UK in comparison to maybe somewhere in Eastern Europe um, I
1: think there's pros and cons um like eastern europe is really great for finding talent people are really hungry and like eager to work and there's you know there's so many great companies and you can work for in london sometimes i feel like maybe the the local talent is just a little bit you know spoiled for choice Um, (laughs) we work with bulgarian creatives or bulgarian designers uh we you know there's just so much excitement and enthusiasm and they bring this like whole new level of energy um to to the work um At the same time, you know, there's a reason why I didn't start this company in Bulgaria. And and that's largely because of how patriarchal Bulgarian society still is. So it's very much frowned upon uh, for women to be, you know, starting businesses. And particularly young um, women like myself, you know, we're not necessarily encouraged to be entrepreneurial or ambitious. Um, So that's why I started the company in the UK. There was the availability of capital here. There was the availability of talent, but also... um, now, you know, no one was uh, upset by me being young and a woman and wanting to start a company.
0: Um, that's that's really great because um, sometimes in, in when it comes to investing and starting businesses, I feel like there's still a lot of, um, there's not a lot of equality or parity when it comes to male founders. Did you find it more difficult to navigate? Um, the space and getting capital and, and investment because you were a woman or did you find that you know Because there's a different mindset that it was it was easy or relatively easy
1: um yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was easy. I think fundraising is never easy. It's always really hard and um, there's this expectation that, you know, you're going to go meet a bunch of investors and, and someone will offer you a term sheet. And I have one of our investors, Leila uh, Zenia from Kindred. She always says, you know, for every one yes you need to get 100 no's and and i really believe in that um you know not every investor is going to be right for the opportunity that you bring to the table um and i wish there was more normalization around you know the amount of failures that you have to go through in fundraising before you um you know end up having a success um whether you know my gender had an influence on on, fund, on my fundraising ability. Um, I mean I think that's a little bit stating the obvious right like there's a reason why only 2% of venture capital goes to um, founding teams that have that include the woman. Um there's definitely issues in the industry and it would be strange to ignore them um, I think things are getting better and I think things are moving in in the right direction um, I was also hampered by you know the product that I'm building and, and the company that I'm building most investors are still men I think venture capital is dominated by something like 96% men wow. um, so they, they as I said at the start of the conversation when I brought my product to the table that was very frequently the first time that these male investors you know with their wives and their girlfriends and, and you know their their history of living on planet earth it was the first time that they uh, had seen a gamble yeah
0: um, how, how do you deal with that rejection? Because like, yeah. you're saying you're getting one yes and a hundred no's. How do you not get discouraged?
1: Um, I guess I just, you know, I believe in my company's mission so much that I would happily, you know, sell my kidneys and my toes. If that would be <laughs> helpful for, for the company to be recapitalized. So, you know, what's a little rejection by a bunch of investors? It's nothing in the long term scheme of things um so I just like to remind myself okay why am I doing this I'm doing this so that fewer women are hampered by period pain fewer women you know have bad female health experiences um and and that you know pushes me to to keep going and and move forward
0: that's that's amazing because I think that you really need to kind of believe in yourself and really have just have that innate belief that you're going to do it otherwise you know, the rejection kind of tears away at you a little bit. Um, (laughs) One thing that I also really like about Day is that, you know, I I think that nowadays it's really important to build a company around certain ethical values. And two things that I love um, are, number one, you guys are a sustainable company. I mean, hemp and cannabis products are known to be better than, you know, plastic or something of the sort. Um, Yeah, exactly. And I love that you guys just, I I was kind of doing a deep dive on Instagram and I saw these amazing wrappers that you guys do for your tampons that Mm -hmm. dissolve in water, Mm -hmm. um, which I thought was amazing. So how how can companies really try to be sustainable, as sustainable as possible? And how have you guys um, went about in achieving that, and kind of, what are your goals for the future? Do you think it can be even more sustainable?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. So, sustainability is always a journey; it's never the final destination. Uh, we've started with our sugarcane wrappers, with our organic tampon fibers. Sorry, with our sugarcane applicators, our organic tampon fibers, with our water soluble wrappers, which you will have seen on Instagram. Um, we also became CO two neutral, and we continuously work to improve the sustainability profile of our products and to make them better
0: and better that's amazing and also um you have this this initiative um, where you employ a lot of women who Mm -hmm. have just left prison or are leaving a a care Mm -hmm. system um how first of all it's, it's amazing i think it's amazing i think it's something that more companies should be doing but how does one go about setting it setting something like that up and do you think it's because you've built quite a sustainable uh, and ethical model, do you think that that's something that would be easy for other companies to follow suit in?
1: Um, I think it's a decision that you have to make really early in your company's journey, because Mm -hmm. it becomes really hard to Uh, build those values and and build those policies and procedures later on. So if you want to be an ethical, sustainable company, you really should be doing that from day one. So the first production operators that we ever hired were from Working Chance. This is the charity that we've partnered with to hire women from the care and criminal system. The first wrappers that we ever launched with were home-compostable and industrially-compostable wrappers. So we never made a compromise in the... uh, Values and ethics of the company, and we wanted to weave them into the product and the organizational structure from day one. Because it's really hard once you know your company is bigger and there's more people, and your supply chain is more complex. It's really hard to try and implement those um, principles later on.
0: Um, and so you guys are still a sign- uh, quite a, a small company. Um, how do you think that as you grow, you'll be able to kind of retain those those values? Um,
1: I think a, a lot of it, you know, is now part of the DNA of the company. Because mm-hmm. when, when I started, uh, they, and, you know, we, we started with um, an ethical supply chain, um, sustainable packaging, you know, fair compensation for um, our production team members, uh, transparency in our supply chain and ingredients on our website. That attracted team members who share these values and who share these beliefs. So now, even if I'm no longer part of Day, um, and you know the company moves on to bigger and better things, there's you know still the, the team that really believes in uh, those core values and, and our core mission, uh, and, and they will continue you know building on top of it.
0: That's great. Um, so we were talking earlier about you being. A woman in in the business and you also you started day by yourself um which i think it's so brave <laughs> um
1: yeah thank you not something i would recommend <laughs> being a single founder is really hard
0: uh, what what have you found um hardest about that
1: um i think that the hard the thing is probably that you don't have anyone that you can be really weak in front of you don't have mm-hmm. anyone that you can you know kind of just break down in front of or say, hey, I have absolutely no idea how to solve this problem because when you're a single founder, you have investors and you have your team, which means you always have to, you know, be confident and and show, like, you know what you're talking about and you always have to have done your research and have the answers. So what I most struggle with as a single founder is not having that, you know, thinking partner that I can bounce ideas back and forth with.
0: And in your opinion, how can we as a society create more female founders because there's not a a lot of them I mean it's so easy to get discouraged it's it's clearly a hard scenario to navigate so what do you think that you know society or the business the industry how, how could things change in order for more female founders to kind of step up
1: yeah, I think it has to start with uh, better mentorship for female founders, mm-hmm. um, and you know that also comes from there being more female, successful female founders that can you know mentor the the people that are coming after them and, and behind them. Um, so that's one. And then the second thing is really you know changing the way that um, the availability of childcare is presented in in society and, and the way that. Uh, domestic responsibilities are split between couples. Um, a lot of my founder friends, I see, you know, are really struggling with balancing being, you know, a single mother, um, having to, you know, look after the home, look after your children and also be, you know, available 24 seven for your company. And I certainly, you know, I, I have no idea how I would have been able to build day if I had a child. Right now, because you know it's such, it's so demanding on on my time. So, I think th- there's two big things. And the first one is just mentorship for female founders, and, and the availability, just more groups and connectivity between people who have had success stories and people who are on their journey. Um, and the other thing is just um, doing a better job of providing childcare services.
0: Um, and what is I think one of the most important things that you have learned from your mentors?
1: I'm mostly it's mostly it's not even like it's not about having you know like five things that you learn from your mentors it's Mm -hmm. about having this you know network of people that you can reach out to for different things at different times in your company uh, journey Um, so I wouldn't say that you know there's like this one big life-changing lesson that you learned from a mentor it's just having a group of mentors helps you you know advance one step at a time in your company's journey because, you know, you, you have a people problem and you know who to reach out to. You have a fundraising problem and you can reach out to someone. You have, you know, a supply chain problem and, and there's someone in your network that can help you. So it's a little bit like, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. It takes a village to build a startup as well. Um, and, and I find that, you know, it, for a lot of my female founder friends, I, I find them, you know, trying to solve these problems in, in, in silo. Um, and I wish there was, you know, just better structures for female founders and, you know, just female startup operators to have access to more mentorship, more structured mentorship.
0: Um, that's, that's really interesting because I think when you think of mentorship, you think, oh, there's like one person that's my mentor. But you hear you talk about having different mentors for different things, which is something that I don't think a lot of people think about when they think of a mentor so that's that's really interesting um and i think to kind of wrap this up what uh advice would you give young women who are thinking about starting their own business
1: um just don't give up um you know if, if it's an idea that you genuinely believe in don't give up when it gets when it inevitably gets very hard just keep persevering um keep you know thinking about the problem that you're trying to solve and how impactful it's going to be. Whenever I'm going through a difficult time of day, I like to read the customer testimonials that we have or some of the feedback from our clinical trials and that always really helps re-energize me and you know recharge my batteries.
0: That's very, very good advice. Um, thank you so much uh, for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course, anytime. Yeah, um, so yeah, thank you so much. and. To everyone listening, check out Day's Tampons. Not only are they a great company, but they can make your periods better. And that's something that everyone wants. (laughs) So thank you so much, Valentina.
1: Of course. Thank you so much.